Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you to those who have joined the Facebook group at Cool Thing at the Facebook Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do page, as well as following me on Twitter at Cool Podcast. Hey, every week, well, actually twice a week, we try to bring you interviews with cool entrepreneurs who are doing really interesting things with their businesses, and today is going to be no different. Today, I have somebody who I met at a event that was put on, an event that was put on for meeting professionals, for meeting planners. It was for people who have been in the business at least 10 years, and I had the opportunity to be at this event, and actually, I was the uh, online host. They were broadcasting it because not everybody was able to travel to Florida to be at the event, so I was the broadcast host for the for the program along with my partner, Eliz Green, and at one of the meals, I rode over on the bus, and I had the absolute pleasure to meet Deborah Molik. Now, she has been a meeting professional for many, many years. She has a company called Molik EPS, and I think that meeting planners are some of the best entrepreneurs. And I tell this to people all the time. If you want to hire somebody who has a great work ethic, go out of your way to find somebody who has a background in the meetings business because you can teach them about your business, but you can't teach them to work hard. And you know, Deborah was just one of these people who I met who we just had a great conversation. And I said right there on the bus, I want you to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And so today is the day. Welcome, Deborah Molik, to Cool Things. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. So there's a. I do agree with you that that bus ride conversation was incredible. And uh, I thank you very much for inviting me to join you. Well, I appreciate you being here. So there's a lot of different types of businesses in the meetings world. Why don't you tell everybody about your company? Well, this version of my company is uh, focused on mostly association meeting planning. So that means that I find associations that want to make a difference in their annual Meetings like conferences, conventions, uh, board meetings, whatever. And they're, and they, they're in-house staff. They're just not feeling like they're repeating the same thing. They're bored with themselves <laughs> and they're looking for something new. And that's where I come in and make a difference. And I do believe that the entrepreneurship is what makes the difference is thinking constantly about how we can make this new and different. And uh, my specialty is a thousand attendees and less, so I'm blessed to be able to um, work with the the niche that I feel like I connect with the best. Well, it's fascinating that you bring up sort of that that a thousand person less association market. I I work in that exact same space most of the time, and what's so interesting is that the people who work for these associations they are so dedicated to trying 
to discover the new things they can do. But it's hard because there's certain parameters that in the meetings business we have to follow. I mean, we can't meet out in a field with tambourines and put everybody up in a yurt. We have to be in hotels and and small convention centers and, and other things like that. And people have to eat and they have to be able to go to the bathroom and you have to give them coffee breaks. So there are so many parameters that being able to find unique ways to sort of execute that is really, really important. So how long have you been serving that market? I've been serving that market for, let's see, um, at least about 15 years. And uh, I have lots of, I've been in the event business for longer than that. And uh, like most event planners, we start on the social side. They always say that's a young person's business. <laughs> and then I uh, found my my niche that I love, and that is uh, groups. I just want to do it a little different. And I'm, it's a lot more work, like you were saying, Tom, to do that, but it's what feeds my soul. So it's not, it's not as much work when it's what's feeding you personally. So what is it that led you to start your own business? What, what caused you to have that little ping to be an entrepreneur? Well, I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I was, I think I had the spirit of an entrepreneur while working for mid-sized companies. I was, running a print brokerage brokerage in uh, Los Angeles and we did incredibly well there and I you know was blessed to be um, rewarded for our successes and that but then it got to a point where the people that I was working with had done so well financially that they weren't willing to learn anymore and I felt like it was time for me to move on uh, to a place where I could, you know, work with people who wanted to learn and grow and still be current and, and active in what's happening in the world and not just uh, make money off of what they used to know. So I was also blessed to be able to come back to Arizona and take care of an ailing father at that exact same time. And I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that's where I was led. And so I gave uh, six months notice, which is unheard of, and um, made sure that my old company would survive the transition and then um, started my own business. And uh, it was a it was a magical time for me personally. So now that you've been doing this for a while, what is it that you love about having your own business? One of the things I love about it is being able to pick my clients um, I, I get to decide if they are, if they're, uh, willing to take that chance of doing 10%. I always ask them, can you do 10% of what you haven't done before at your events? Give me 10% to try crazy new things for you and we see if they succeed or not. And generally speaking, 9.9% .9 of that 10% risk is a success. And so um, then then I have trouble getting them on the phone because they're just so excited with me that um, they're just like, do whatever you want. So <laughs> Next <laughs> time you have 100%. You now have 100% leeway. Go to it. Exactly. And I'm like, I, I do want your participation. <laughs> so And that's one of the beautiful things. I also um, can rewrite little pieces of my mission statement because – I'm the one writing it. <laughs> and so um, as the world changes, uh, 
I'm able to make those changes as well and incorporate when I need to. And I get to make those decisions. I also get to learn about everything. I get to learn about every association or um, group that I work with. I get to learn something about their business. So then I become more knowledgeable about all kinds of industries. And that is amazing. And that's one of my favorite things about my business is I also work with a lot of associations and, you know, I tell people, you know, I have some clients that when I say the name, they look at me like, what? And I'm like, yes, that's proof that there's an association for everybody. But I've worked with associations that are funeral directors. I've worked with associations of junkyards. I've worked for the National Association of Truck Stop Operators, as well as a lot of associations that everybody would expect and and have heard of. And what's fascinating, just like you said, you get exposed to so many different people who are doing things in so many different ways that it's really it's really kind of a neat world to be in. But the first thing I agree. But the first thing you said really resonated with me and that was how you ask your clients to give you a little bit of leeway to try new things. My favorite thing is when uh, and usually this is repeat clients. It's when an association director or the head of meetings or a third-party planner says, "Tom, we're looking for somebody who's willing to play with us. We want to try an interactive lab or uh, one client came to me and they said, we want to hire you for two years in a row, but we want the two keynotes or the two breakout sessions that you're going to do in the featured breakouts. We want them to build upon each other so that you're doing the one this year and the one next year, but we're going to build them as part of the same training. And they said, we don't know if it'll work. If people will come both years, we don't know how many will attend. Uh, and by the way, each, each session has to stand alone because there'll be some people who aren't there who are new next year but are you willing to play with us? And it gets so exciting when a client says that because it just means that we can throw a little spaghetti against the wall. And if some hits the floor, nobody's going to be upset. So I got really excited when you said that. I agree. Um, I do believe that a lot of times to get stuck in what I call the college terminology is that our, our sessions are based on the 101 level, the freshman level. And I'm always like, I need you to push to do a sophomore class, a junior class, and a senior class. And let's build that over time. And that's what your people want, truthfully. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. So we know what you love about being an entrepreneur. Are there any little things where you say, yeah, I wish I still worked for somebody else. It would be so much easier. Oh, amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I QuickBooks, you know, <laughs> um, I I swear every any gray hairs I have are from QuickBooks. Um, but who, you know, I'm not an accountant, but I am now. <laughs> so I, um, you learn sales, marketing, um, physical location. Uh, we just moved our offices to Scottsdale, Arizona. So now filling up tax forms. Um, that's what I was doing this morning. So, um, those kind of things are not what drives your spirit, but every job has the things you don't love to do but have to be done. Yeah. No, I always say that if I ever went to work for anybody else, I would be the best employee ever, and I would hug my boss every day. And the main reason for that is solely the fact that they would take care of all the accounting and the insurance and all the stuff that just isn't my forte. Right. Exactly. But then I I, I have to clarify, it's the paperwork of accounting because one of the things I love to do the most is I don't care what your budget is. I don't care if I have um, a blue collar worker 
trade association or um, a social organization linked off of uh, an industry group, um, and they all want different things. Some want, you know, um, we've done, I've done sh- shooting um, events at private ranges to um, bringing a horse into a, a hotel <laughs> with the CEO on it. You know, you can do whatever you want or you can just do the regular. But um, I'm really good at spending their money correctly. So there's always somewhere that we can have money for that wow factor of a horse coming in with your CEO on it because I'm not wasting money otherwhere in other places where, so that part of the economics I love. So let's talk a little bit about the events business. So obviously it's gone through a lot of changes the last few years, but I think no matter what industry you're in, I think your trade association and the live events that they put on for their members, I think it's wickedly important because I think that in a world where everybody is following a like, a link, a share, and a follow, I think people are hungry for that human interaction, for that live content, both from a learning standpoint and also from a social standpoint of being around peers. What do you think the biggest changes are in the meetings business in the last few years? I think a lot of um, decision makers think that they need to create more um, individual activities like online I'm not a, webinars and and even these podcasts and such are great if they're in addition to um, the interaction, personal interaction. But sometimes I think that they feel like, oh, we can get away with something and save some money. But I do believe that in this world, the interaction, the one on one, the face to face is what makes people feel more connected to their industry and to their trade and re- and it's also re, um, it feeds their soul like like when I go to my own uh, industry events, it feeds the soul of yes, this is why I do um, die casting or this is why I drive a truck or this is why I um, am in the shipping industry. It reminds you that you are good and excellent. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you to those who have joined the Facebook group at Cool Thing at the Facebook Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do page, as well as following me on Twitter at Cool Podcast. Hey, every week, well, actually twice a week, we try to bring you interviews with cool entrepreneurs who are doing really interesting things with their businesses, and today is going to be no different. Today, I have somebody who I met at a event that was put on, an event that was put on for meeting professionals, for meeting planners. It was for people who have been in the business at least 10 years, and I had the opportunity to be at this event, and actually, I was the uh, online host. They were broadcasting it because not everybody was able to travel to Florida to be at the event, so I was the broadcast host for the for the program along with my partner, Eliz Green, and at one of the meals, I rode over on the bus, and I had the... The absolute pleasure to meet Deborah Molik. Now, she has been a meeting professional for many, many years. She has a company called Molik EPS, and 
I think that meeting planners are some of the best entrepreneurs. And I tell this to people all the time. If you want to hire somebody who has a great work ethic, go out of your way to find somebody who has a background in the meetings business because you can teach them about your business, but you can't teach them to work hard. And you know, Deborah was just one of these people who I met who we just had a great conversation. And I said right there on the bus, I want you to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And so today is the day. Welcome, Deborah Molik, to Cool Things. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. So there's a I do agree with you that that bus ride conversation was incredible. And uh, I thank you very much for inviting me to join you. Well, I appreciate you being here. So there's a lot of different types of businesses in the meetings world. Why don't you tell everybody about your company? Well, this version of my company is uh, focused on mostly association meeting planning. So that means that I find associations that want to make a difference in their annual meetings like conferences, conventions, uh, board meetings, whatever. And, they're, and they, their in-house staff, they're just not feeling like they're repeating the same thing. They're bored with themselves mm-hmm. and they're looking for something new. And that's where I come in and make a difference. And I do believe that the entrepreneurship is what makes the difference, is thinking constantly about how we can make this new and different and uh, my specialty is a thousand attendees and less. So I'm blessed to be able to um, work with the, the niche that I feel like I connect with the best. Well, it's fascinating that you bring up sort of that, that a thousand person less association market. I, I work in that exact same space most of the time. And what's so interesting is that the people who work for these associations, they are so dedicated to trying to discover the new things they can do. But it's hard because there's certain parameters that in the meetings business we have to follow. I mean, we can't meet out in a field with tambourines and put everybody up in a yurt. We have to be in hotels and and small convention centers and, and other things like that. And people have to eat and they have to be able to go to the bathroom and you have to give them coffee breaks. So there are so many parameters that being able to find unique ways to sort of execute that is really, really important. So how long have you been serving that market? I've been serving that market for, let's see, um, at least about 15 years. And uh, I have lots of, I've been in the event business for longer than that. And uh, like most event planners, we start on the social side. They always say that's a young person's business. <laughs> and then I uh, found my, my niche that I love, and that is uh, groups. I just want to do it a little different. And I'm, it's a lot more work, like you were saying, Tom, to do that, but it's what feeds my soul. So it's not, it's not as much work when it's what's feeding you personally. So what is it that led you to start your own business? What, what caused you to have that little ping to be an entrepreneur? Well, I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I was, I think I had the spirit of an entrepreneur while working for mid-sized companies. I was, running a print brokerage brokerage in uh, Los Angeles and we did incredibly well there and I you know was blessed to be um, rewarded for our successes and that but then it got to a point where the people that I was working with had done so well financially that they weren't willing to learn anymore and I felt like 
it was time for me to move on uh, to a place where I could, you know, work with people who wanted to learn and grow and still be current and, and active in what's happening in the world and not just uh, make money off of what they used to know. So I was also blessed to be able to come back to Arizona and take care of an ailing father at that exact same time. And I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that's where I was led. And so I gave uh, six months notice, which is unheard of, and um, made sure that my old company would survive the transition and then um, started my own business. And uh, it was a it was a magical time for me personally. So now that you've been doing this for a while, what is it that you love about having your own business? One of the things I love about it is being able to pick my clients. Um, I I get to decide if they are if they're uh, willing to take that chance of doing ten percent. I always ask them, "Can you do ten percent of what you haven't done before at your events? Give me ten percent to try crazy new things for you, and we see if they succeed or not." And generally speaking, 9.9% of that 10% risk is a success. And so um, then then I have trouble getting them on the phone because they're just so excited with me that um, they're just like, do whatever you want. So <laughs> Next <laughs> time you have 100%. You now have 100% leeway. Go to it. Exactly. And I'm like, I, I do want your participation. <laughs> so, And that's one of the beautiful things I also um, – can rewrite little pieces of my mission statement because I'm the one writing it. <laughs> and so um, as the world changes, uh, I'm able to make those changes as well and incorporate when I need to, and I get to make those decisions. I also get to learn about everything. I get to learn about every association or um, group that I work with I get to learn something about their business. So then I become more knowledgeable about all kinds of industries. And that is amazing. And that's one of my favorite things about my business is I also work with a lot of associations. And, you know, I tell people, you know, I have some clients that when I say the name, they look at me like, what? And I'm like, yes, that's proof that there's an association for everybody. But I've worked with associations that are funeral directors. I've worked with associations of junkyards. I've worked for the National Association of Truck Stop Operators, as well as a lot of associations that everybody would expect and, and have heard of. And what's fascinating, just like you said, you get exposed to so many different people who are doing things in so many different ways that it's really it's really kind of a neat world to be in. But the first thing I agree. But the first thing you said really resonated with me and that was how you ask your clients to give you a little bit of leeway to try new things. My favorite thing is when uh, and usually this is repeat clients. It's when an association director or the head of meetings or a third-party planner says, "Tom, we're looking for somebody who's willing to play with us. We want to try an interactive lab or uh, one client came to me and they said, we want to hire you for two years in a row, but we want the two keynotes or the two breakout sessions that you're going to do in the featured breakouts. We want them to build upon each other so that you're doing the one this year and the one next year, but we're going to build them as part of the same training. And they said, we don't know if it'll work. If people will come both years, we don't know how many will attend. Uh, and by the way, each, each session has to stand alone because there'll be some people who aren't there who are new next year. But 
are you willing to play with us? And it gets so exciting when a client says that because it just means that we can throw a little spaghetti against the wall. And if some hits the floor, nobody's going to be upset. So I got really excited when you said that. I agree. Um, I do believe that a lot of times you get stuck in what I call the college terminology is that our our sessions are based on the 101 level, the freshman level. And I'm always like, I need you to push to do a sophomore class, a junior class, and a senior class. And let's build that over time. And that's what your people want, truthfully. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. So we know what you love about being an entrepreneur. Are there any little things where you say, yeah, I wish I still worked for somebody else. It would be so much easier. Oh, amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I QuickBooks, you know, <laughs> um, I, I swear every any gray hairs I have are from QuickBooks. Um, but who, you know, I'm not an accountant, but I am now. <laughs> so I, um, you learn sales, marketing, um, physical location. Uh, we just moved our offices to Scottsdale, Arizona. So now filling up tax forms. Um, that's what I was doing this morning. So, um, those kind of things are not what drives your spirit, but every job has the things you don't love to do, but have to be done. Yeah. No, I always say that if I ever went to work for anybody else, I would be the best employee ever. And I would hug my boss every day. And the main reason for that is solely the fact that they would take care of all the accounting and the insurance and all the stuff that just isn't my forte. Right. Exactly. But then I, I, I have to clarify, it's the paperwork of accounting because one of the things I love to do the most is I don't care what your budget is. I don't care if I have um, a blue collar worker trade association or um, a social organization linked off of uh, an industry group. Um, and they all want different things. Some want, you know, um, we've done, I've done sh- shooting um, events at private ranges to um, bringing a horse into a, a hotel <laughs> with the CEO on it. You know, you can do whatever you want or you can just do the regular. But um, I'm really good at spending their money correctly. So there's always somewhere that we can have money for that wow factor of a horse coming in with your CEO on it because I'm not wasting money other where in other places where so that part of the economics I love. So let's talk a little bit about the events business. So obviously it's gone through a lot of changes the last few years, but I think no matter what industry you're in, I think your trade association and the live events that they put on for their members, I think it's wickedly important because I think that in a world where everybody is following a like, a link, a share and a follow, I think people are hungry for that human interaction, for that live content, both from a learning standpoint and also from a social standpoint of being around peers. What do you think the biggest changes are in the meetings business in the last few years? I think a lot of um, decision makers think that they need to create more um, individual activities like online I'm not webinars and and even these podcasts and such are great if they're in addition to um, 
the interaction, personal interaction. But sometimes I think that they feel like, oh, we can get away with something and save some money. But I do believe that in this world, the interaction, the one-on-one, the face-to-face is what makes people feel more connected to their industry and to their trade. And and it's also re- um, it feeds their soul like like when I go to my own uh, industry events, it feeds the soul of, yes, this is why I do um, die casting or this is why I drive a truck or this is why I um, am in the shipping industry. It reminds you that you are good and excellent at what you do and you're rewarded by talking about something that other people understand. That's one of the things I love the most is when two people are talking about their industry and no one's rolling their eyes. They get it. <laughs> well, I'm a really active member of the National Speakers Association, and one of the reasons for that is it's a weird business that I'm in. And, you know, meeting planners, I love them. You know, you guys are my lifeblood, but a lot of them kind of roll their eyes at speakers because some of us can be prima donnas and there's different things. But, you know, you put a couple speakers together and, and we know what we know what the real the real deal is and we know it's not as glamorous as some people think and that you have to you know deal with security and you deal with all all that stuff so i do fully understand the reason of what you're saying that people really need to participate in their associations because you're getting around your peers you get around your peers and there's nothing like it i agree and the national speaking speakers associations right here in arizona oh right so, that's right <laughs> so i interact with them throughout the year. <laughs> well, that's good. It's it's my uh it's my home away from home. I I'm a big fan of NSA. Hey, what advice do you have for somebody who's listening who thinks I want to go start my own thing? Maybe maybe they have a reason to move back home, like caring for a parent or something else and maybe they just have that desire to start their own thing. What would you tell them they need to do? They have to spend some peaceful time with themselves. One of the things about running your own business, sometimes you can feel isolated. And so you really need to be able to say, can I make decisions by myself? Can I take risks by myself? Um, I think that's one of the most important questions. And um, like I always say, Susie Orman, when she talks about financial planning, she always says, live your lifestyle on paper before you do it in in action to see if you can accomplish what you want. So can you live with a bigger house? Live on a pay scale and and do your books as if you have that house. So I do think the same thing for entrepreneurship. You have to say, can I actually function in this way and practice it before you step out and just jump in? So how important do you think networking is for people who want to start a business. I mean, we met at an industry conference and, you know, you participate in a bunch of different things. You said, why do you think it matters? Why do people need to network if they're going to be an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a great question. I think there's two sides to that. One, I've always joined the association as something I'm interested in and go to their conferences and before I started this business, I ended up saying no to several others. I was interested in opening my own hotel. Went and checked that out. Joining that association, networking, communicating with others in the hotel business made me realize that wasn't the niche I really wanted to get into. So it saved me a fortune and my time and my reputation 
And then the other side of it is when you do find the right thing for you, then you you meet people like Tom Singer mm-hmm. who um, parlays you to the right people, to the right conversations, um, and you can actually serve those people back, which is one of my favorite things is I meet people every day and like a week later, I'll find a reason that I can help them out. So networking is all about mentorship. Um, it's about connectivity and it's about building relationships. And you just can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that in an office. So Deborah, you gave a piece of advice. I don't think I've ever heard anyone on this show with over 200 interviews give on this question about networking. And yet it is brilliant. And it's something that, that I did before I became a speaker. And that was, you said, participate and join the association of the thing you want to go do and get around people to make sure it's the right fit for you. And that's what I did. I got involved with the National Speakers Association long before I was ever, you know, really a professional speaker. I mean, I couldn't even join because they have qualifications to join. I had to just go as a guest for several years until I could qualify for membership. But I started doing that. And for me, it was like finding my home. It was the right fit. But I'd never thought about it from the flip side that, oh, my gosh, if you go and participate in an industry and check it out from the outside and network with people, it might just do what you said. It might save you that, you know, wrong path type thing. That's actually brilliant advice. Yeah, if it's a couple hundred dollars to register and become a a member or something, that's a lot. um, That's a lot more frugal than becoming a business, quitting your job, going all in and finding out a year later that it really wasn't for you. Yeah, no, that's really, I don't think anyone has ever, I've never heard it explained that way. And I think that is just a great, a great piece of advice. So, so Deborah, I have a couple of more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Deborah Malik. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and see the exclusive offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Deborah, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Moving. <laughs> what caused you I know to move? it doesn't sound exciting, but for me, uh, it's a n- new market, and it's a great reason to connect with everyone right now in the new year. So you're moving from, from where to where? I am mil- moving from Gilbert, Arizona, to Scottsdale, Arizona. And everyone, you know how everyone hates when you're, quote, selling, and then you... Um, but this way, I can reach out to everyone I know and just tell them I'm moving and that they're, they're willing to have the conversation. So I'm having great conversations that I couldn't have if I was just cold calling or warm calling. <laughs> That's so cool. And you got to admit, there's few places that are as cool as Scottsdale. Uh, it's a great town, and it's a great town for what, my business. Everyone yeah. wants to be here at least once every five years. <laughs> That's good. They keep coming back. The rotation. So I have a couple of questions that I ask everybody who come on, comes on the show. And the first one is, who is another entrepreneur? Not you, not your business, but who's someone else that you see out there where you say, wow, that person, they're doing something cool. 
my my person that I always lean toward, his name is Jeff Kaplan, and I actually met him. He was a client of mine, and he was a founder of a for-profit association in the wedding photography market. Hmm. And he is just such an inspiration because he is a risk taker. He, he doesn't wait too long. He knows when he's when he just makes quick decisions about where things should go, and he's just excellent at it. And so I always have stayed in touch with him. I uh, just find him inspiring. He's also uh, the, he's a radio host in his past life, so he's done multiple different kinds of businesses. When he sees something, he just jumps on it, and that's what I'm always inspired by him. So, so that's awesome, and it made me laugh because I don't know if uh, the listeners of this show know this or not. I don't know if I've said it before, but I used to be a wedding photographer. I actually photographed 150 weddings oh. many years ago. I mean, it's been 18 years since I photographed a wedding or 15 years, but uh, that was funny when you said in the, in the wedding photography business because I thought, I don't know if I've ever said that here, that one of my first entrepreneurial ventures is on the side. I was a wedding photographer back in my – I call it my youth. I was probably about 25 to 30. So the last I don't know that's just so so amazing to me because that was who my client was for many years and I learned so much about photography and I still can't take a decent picture but I know a good one when I see it. <laughs> so my last question is I love to ask people what is it that you do to give back to the greater good because in addition to making money I think entrepreneurs they want to serve society. So what do you do? Oh, I am blessed that um, I run into nonprofits and charities all the time. They're always around. Uh, I mean, they're either or are associations or they're linked to associations. And um, so I get asked all the time if I can donate my services to their cause. And it is uh, one of the things you have to learn as an entrepreneur is when to say yes and when to say no. And one of my the best things I have learned is I decide how many things a year I am willing to donate my time towards. And then I set that limit. I pick who I'm going to help. And then everyone else I have to say no to. And so I have been blessed. Um, currently, I'm working, donating my time for the Arizona Council on Economic Education, and te- which teaches um, students how to actually be fi- have financial literacy. And I think that's very important. And so I told them last year that I was going to make, they wanted help. I said, I will make you my 2017 charity contribution. So I do that. But then also on the side, I donate and, and assist with uh, a local charity for dogs, uh, rescuing dogs. I also have volunteered at hospital and out of ER helping with patient advocacy um, that was after my dad was sick, and I felt like the, giving back to the people who had helped me. And so, um, you know, I'm, I feel driven to give a portion of my time to help others. I just, it's just part of the core. Ah, I think that's great. And I think the entrepreneurs who I admire the most are the ones who definitely find a way. To, to leave their mark and to serve others. And sometimes it's a personal cause, like something you went through with your dad, and sometimes it's something that maybe they're not as connected to, but they know that they want to find a way to serve that greater good. So I uh, cheers to you for doing all of that. 
you. And you too. Hey, Deborah, this has been a great conversation. And I know that some of the people who listen to this show, I know I have a lot of meeting professionals and some people from associations who listen. And maybe somebody out there is saying, oh my gosh, we're having a conference in, in the Phoenix area. And they need to know a little bit more about Molik EPS. How in the world do people find you? Oh, well, I have a website, Molik.com, M-O-L-I-Q-U-E. And um, that's the easiest way. Uh, phone numbers and emails get lost um, <laughs> in podcasts. So I just say go to Malik.com and find me. I'm right there, a phone call away. Well, and you have one of the coolest business cards I've seen. Tell everybody why I think your business card is so cool. Well, thank you. Well, I do have a print background. I do believe that your graphics and your promotional items do support your events. So my clients get that bonus. Um, but my card currently is a little mini lanyard. So I have a little mini lanyard with a little mini card on it that looks like a hello, my name is. And um, I just love it, too. Yeah, I know. It was one of those things. It's like the next day I was going through the cards and it was like, God, that really, really stands out. And it just it just had a real clever piece to it. So I wanted to I wanted to give that kudos where it was due. But again, thank you so much for being a guest here in the show and sharing your journey, because it's people like you who are out there, you know, making a go of it that inspire other people who have that dream of being an entrepreneur. So so thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Tom. I can't the invitation to have this time was a blessing, and I thank you. No, thank you. And thank you to everybody who tunes in. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. And so we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Deborah Molik. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.